I'm Julie Roth, and this is LA Woman. It's a show about women in LA building big things and cultivating successful lives for themselves. LA is, without question, one of the world's major cultural hubs and trendsetters, and every woman here has a story to tell. Listen in as we go behind the scenes one-on-one with dynamic, inspiring females who are changing the game and changing their industries. Share their successes, examine their challenges, and heed their advice as we navigate our careers together, one sunny day at a time. Today's guest is Nikki DeRoost, makeup artist and founder of Rowan Beauty. Nikki is the definition of a go-getter. She has put herself out there, shadowed, shadowed some of the best in the business, moved across the world to pursue a career in makeup and hairstyling, and has worked her way up step by step. And now, with her own line of makeup that launched this year, it feels like she's just getting started. While growing up in her mom's hair salon in Salt Lake City, not actually in the hair salon, but you know what I mean, Nikki was quickly smitten with the beauty industry. And after paying her dues with practice, jobs, and building her own kit, she learned what it takes to build a clientele. Nikki and I talked about how to build a kit on a budget, why she doesn't research her high profile clients, how she and her chemist created a revolutionary makeup formula, and much more. We also did a lightning round of questions at the end, so don't miss it. Here's Nikki. Hi. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you on the show. I have Nikki DeRoost with me. Yes. And she is makeup artist, hairdresser, entrepreneur, extraordinaire. So I'm really excited to to dive into a lot of things today Mm -hmm. because you are master at your craft and Bobby Brown says so as well is it Bobby Brown or Bare Minerals I have both right <laughs> and Bare Minerals yeah um which who also make my absolute favorite concealer of all time Bobby Brown or Bare Minerals Bare Minerals yeah yeah I love it too what is it called the um the is it the serum concealer yes yeah um bare serum concealer I don't have it on today because my allergies have been so bad my, my eyes are like dry like crazy dry but I usually have it on yeah are you wearing your disco right now absolutely oh it looks so of course good. I am I love it thank you um okay so anyway mm-hmm. this is great for me personally okay. because you're probably the most you're in like the girliest industry I think that I've interviewed so far uh-huh. and so now I'm like cool I get to just like be myself talk right. about girly shit absolutely great okay I can tell you're my girl by like the jewelry the nail polish I feel like I wore that nail polish like a, like a week or two ago I'm like okay I need to find out where you got that chain like yeah, yeah. this is my mom's chain actually so shout to her but oh um, so good uh, the nail polish, which is light blue for those listening, it's like my hard candy throwback. It's really good. I got it from SC, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, I had this exact shade when I was 13. Yeah. I'm like, now I need to have it again. I know. It's kind of a pastel. I, when I was uh, 13 to 15, it was like pastel eyeliner as well. Like, you know, the yeah. white and the green. Yeah, I went there. So you were always into cosmetics, always, always, right? Yeah. My mom's a hairdresser. So I was, we had, we were living in Utah and we had a salon in our basement. So she was pregnant with me doing hair. And then as soon as she had me, it was like the show goes on. So I just lived in the salon while she was with clients. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that everybody knows that you were, um, you were a hairdresser as well. So you worked your way up in the beauty industry in an interesting way, which I, I kind of already know a little bit through through what I've, I've researched about you, but can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into everything professionally? Professionally in makeup, or I guess any of it, right? Well, I think hair came first professionally, is that right? Yeah, so what I... Um... I was always confused because my mom was a hairdresser. I dabbled with hair when I was young. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just like fake it till you make it, right? Um, And then, and I always knew that I wanted to do beauty, but like it's the same thing that everyone does when they're 18. They're like, okay, mom and dad, I'll go to college for a year. Well, I, most people say I'll go to college. In my head, I was like, I'll go to college for a year <laughs> just to say that I did it, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So 
I did that. Um, and then I was like, okay, when you're done, I'm going to just like go do what I want to do now. Um, so I started in beauty. I think my first job was at a day spa for Aveda. And that was kind of my, my segue into beauty because um, I was doing front desk and makeup and all of that. And I was honestly too afraid to go into Nordstrom to the beauty counters. Like I was so intimidated by it. But I think it's because I wanted to be that person. So I was afraid of it. Um, so I worked my way into going in there and I simultaneously started working in cosmetics in retail, selling makeup, and I got a hair apprenticeship at the same time. So instead of going to hair school, I apprenticed under a really incredible hairdresser in Salt Lake City and had like one-on-one side-by-side training. So my idea was like, okay, I'm going to do this hair school and then I'm going to do makeup to kind of fund while I'm in school. But it was always this like inner um, issue that I had because I loved both of them so much and I didn't know what to do because I was like, I love the makeup industry and I get it and I love everything around it, but I love the hair industry. And I know a lot in my industry, they always say like, oh, you're only really good at one or the other. Like, how can you be good at both? And I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I do feel like I was gifted to be able to do both. And so um, I focused on hair for about eight years in the salon. And then I woke up one day and decided I needed to leave Utah. So I knew that because I always had these dreams about what I could be doing. And I knew that like, I, I was like, would look through magazines and I'd be like, I could do that. I, my work should be in this magazine. But I knew that the only way to do that was New York or LA. So I ended up in LA. Um, I ended up mentoring under um, Howard McLaren, which owns R&Co, a hair care company that I found him through Bumble and Bumble, but that's like another long story. But anyways, I found myself here. I was so technically at that point, I was still doing hair. Um, but in working with Howard, I also kind of realized I was like, my heart isn't really in traditional hairdressing anymore. And I came to LA to do more of like the editorial and freelance stuff, but for whatever reason, it's makeup. So him and I segued into me doing makeup for his hair shoots and things like that. And then it just was kind of like, okay, I need to start to build my kit and like um, really show myself as a makeup artist. However, to get your start in the industry, I think you were the long story of whatever I'm rambling on, but the question you were asking is how I got in professionally to like build myself was taking a lot of jobs that are not very glamorous in the beginning, especially, you know, it's like putting yourself out there saying, this is what you do, fake it till you make it. Because especially back then my kit was like, not the, the, it's not like it is today where it's like Chanel, Tom Ford, like all these amazing products. It's just like, okay, I need stuff. I need brushes. I need things I need like to kind of make it look like I'm like a pro, but in a very budget friendly way. Um, and I just did a lot of jobs, but being able to do hair and makeup, I think really saved me back then because of budgets and the way that people were doing things. They would, if you could do both, you were like, a token you know because yeah you know just hire two people right and so that was kind of my segue into doing a lot of work and then the bigger I've gotten and the and the busier I've gotten and then the bigger agency that you go to is when you're like okay I am doing makeup but like side job if it's someone that knows me I have a couple clients that still use me for both because they like to only have one person yeah so yeah, that's, that's that really long story. But. So are you going to Target, Walmart? You know, how are you building a kit on a budget? I think I was doing, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I definitely, you know, it, I was just a really savvy shopper. And I would find like when I first started in makeup, I worked for Stila. And every like every, once a year or twice a year they'd have like warehouse sale on their website and it would be like things would some things would be like 70% off 40% off and so I'd look out for those sales and just like grab the more expensive things like because you know and that's why even now I get gifted so many things that I try to give it to makeup artists because you know to buy 
20 shades of foundation is so much money and then that's only one formula and then you're like well I need a matte formula well I need a tinted moisturizer and so I just would try to kind of like find things that way because I also knew it was important to try to not this is just like kind of political but like if I'm trying to look professional but I pull like a cover girl foundation out of my kit like people would probably be like oh she must not be that successful because it's drugstore whether it's better or worse product that's you know not what it's about it's just about the association of like what you're using so that's like something I definitely had to try to be aware of as I'm doing it but then there's like certain things that you can get away with like you know it's like oh I, I could use like a Maybelline lip pencil or eyeliner and no one would bat an eye you know so you kind of just have to like figure out where your budget goes and where it matters it's so interesting yeah besides like some of those products people swear by oh I still but they're use like, it all the time like yeah. I some of my favorite products are drugstore products yeah so but maybe it feels different when it's like I don't know someone's kid. I don't know when it's yeah. like personal use versus professional. Who knows? I think That's it's just a stigma, though. But, it, sure. but it, it's in a lot of ways. Like I, as I got more, as I got busier, and I kind of understood the way that the industry worked. It also was me doing things for myself on purpose. Like oh, I need to make sure I have one designer handbag that I use and I take on set because when I put my handbag up and the creative director or the photographer, whoever it is, sees that bag, they'll be like, oh, she is successful or she has taste or whatever it may be. And not to say I don't like it, but I definitely understood the politics of, of why there are certain things that you present yourself in a certain way that make people trust you more. You know, and at the end of the day, like I knew my worth and I knew my value, but you have to play the game around that a little bit for people to to gain that immediate respect. Yeah. And it seems like it just kind of seems like it goes hand in hand with such a visual Mm -hmm. industry. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so we're getting to this a little bit, but I was going to ask you how you prepare for a job on set. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, that was just, that was really, that was more so starting out and and on your way up. So now that you have, um, you are in such demand, Mm -hmm. how do you prepare? So you talked about like 20 shades of a foundation, but it's only one formula. So are you, how do you prepare for, for a client? It depends on what it is. I mean, if it's something in LA local, it's basically like my trunk turns into like a whole, um, like violet gray basically like beauty store um but I have it all separated into you know like I'll have like different foundation kits that I can bring the crazy thing now is you really have to be prepared for anything and even down to like you know I'm not a manicurist but you could be on a job where they somehow are like oh can you like for whatever reason as a makeup artist they're like oh you you do nails too so like we need her nail polish to be nude and you never want to be the person that doesn't have the thing that they're asking for that's like you know inner turmoil if that happens so when I'm here it's pretty easy because I have a lot of stuff um as far as preparing for whatever the job is it just depends like a lot of the times you know you just show up and you know that you know your stuff and you can like go for it but if it's if it's a red carpet client I it it's kind of tricky because on one hand, I like to look at their past looks just to kind of get an idea of like, they look better in a lip or they look better in an eye. But then there's also something really beautiful around not doing that because you're going in with a really pure eye and seeing them through your lens and not through anyone else's lens. So it's it's kind of, and also the same with working with actresses or actors is a lot of the times I won't look up any of their work until after I've worked with them because I also think it gives me a really clean perspective of them and then it makes me also kind of appreciate them like then I turn into like a stage mom fangirl after because I'm like I liked them so much as a person and then oh wow now I get to see them performing and it's really cool but I I just never want it to kind of skew my vision of like how I see them. 
You sound like Kevin O'Quan a little bit. <laughs> really? Yeah, because like I remember there's this. Uh, I've, I can't remember where it was from. Maybe that documentary or something. But they always talk about how he like really looked at a face as a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that you sort of go in blind in a way. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I guess that's just because I feel comfortable with where I'm at as an artist, and I've had a lot of like a lot of challenges and things throughout the years. So like you go through those challenges and then you say to yourself like, well, if I could do this, I could literally do anything, you know, because you're like, that was hard and I did it and I got through it. So like anything I'm thrown at can't be harder than that, you know? So. All right. So on the subject of I can do anything, Mm -hmm. you have had a huge year um, for your very new company, which I really want to get into. Um, so Rowan, which is your own makeup line that launched less than a year ago, uh-huh. where did this idea come from? I ask myself this every day. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, where did this come from? Um, I don't know. Honestly, when I was when I was probably in this very beginning world of working in beauty around 20 years old, I I actually remember flipping through a magazine and it was like put your, it was like a turnkey makeup line. Like you can have your own makeup line, da da da. And I remember looking at that and I was like, I could have my own makeup line. Not that I was doing turn, like that I'm doing turnkey, but I think all of a sudden like that idea was like, oh, I could have my own makeup line. And then I remember telling my friend at the time, I was like, I'm going to have my own makeup line, but I don't even actually to this day think I knew what that meant, but I've always said it. Like I'd just be like, oh, I'm going to have my own makeup line. I'm going to do this. And it was like a very unconscious thing that I would say. Um, but I I think, honestly, that I can't even answer to you why or how. Because it just was a thing that I felt very compelled to do. But I didn't know really what I was doing. I just did it. <laughs> so, but you have a business partner. Yes. Correct. Well, I have um, in, uh, investors and I have, um, well, yeah, investors, but they're also like, I, I bounce things off of them. And, and David Romer, that's a photographer, he is also an owner in the company, but um, we creatively work together as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So I want to talk about a little bit how Rowan's formula is different from other cosmetics. I know that's something that, that is really one of the cornerstones of, the, of your product. Uh-huh. So it's really overwhelming when you decide to start something to be like, well, what am I going to do? Um, and I think for me, I always... Like, I think eyes are really special, right? Like, any, like everyone has beautiful eyes. doesn't matter who, what, where, like... That's it because it's also a real connection point between people. And so I felt like that's where I wanted to start because that's like just who doesn't want to connect to their eyes. Um, When I was formulating, like this is where all of the ignorance is bliss thing really comes into play because I was making this with no expectations, with no outside noise, none of it. I was just doing it. And and because it hadn't launched yet, I also had time. Like there wasn't like this, like you need to have this by this date. It was just like, okay, I'm going to do this until it's right. And then we'll go with it. So as far as the formula goes, I didn't even really know that I was making something that innovative because that wasn't my intention when I was doing it. Um, but it was just me and the chemist going back and forth, a lot of different submissions. I would go into the lab a lot and visit and you know, I wanted to make, I'm a, I'm an artist first. So it was like, Hey, I would love for this to be vegan. I would love for it to not have all the icky stuff that we don't want to have in cosmetics, but I still want it to be fantastic and I want it to work. And so let's talk about it along the way. There wasn't like a hard no for anything other than it needs to be amazing and work. Um, luckily I have a brilliant chemist that was able to give me everything that I wanted and keep it within a clean beauty standard. So that was amazing. And by the time that we finally finished it, they were like, okay, well you need to call this something. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's eyeshadow. And they're like, no, I don't think you understand. Like this has never been made before. And I'm like, well, I don't actually understand what you're saying. And they're like, 
we've been doing this for 30 years. We work for all the major companies and this actual formulation and style of eye makeup has never been made. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, alrighty. Um, so, but that's what's kind of beautiful about it is that it's, it, it was a really pure intention with doing it. I just wanted it to be great. Um, so that's how we started. And then it, you know, that kind of set the precedence of, of moving forward with the line, like where we wanted to, where we wanted to stay. But I think it's really important for me as the CEO and creator to also really be kind of vulnerable in the fact that I'm not the person, I'm not a vegan personally within my own diet and different things like that. And so I think that we have a lot of choices out there when it comes to cosmetics, food, lifestyle, all of it. And if, and I love health and wellness, but it's like, for me, it's, I'm just going to do my best. And if I can provide something amazing for people that they don't have to think about it, and it's one less thing that they have to stress over, and it's great, I'm happy to do that. But I'm also not going to stand here and say, like, I'm 100% perfect or whatever and everything right because I think it's all personal you know so like someone that is vegan someone that isn't or someone that does you know like it's whatever works for you so it's like just an it's just a benefit that happened to to come about that's great yes yeah and I knew that that's what people more and more care about and I think if we can provide that and it can be um a clean product then why wouldn't we you know so yeah, absolutely, and I know that your formula looks like glitter, but it's not glitter. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's it's a reflex pearl, um, which I think is also really interesting and cool. And um, there's different sizes of it, which again, it's like being so ignorant. Like I didn't realize how special or different. So even like some, even like yesterday, I was swatching some different brands eyeshadows on my hand up against Rowan and and like because I have to check myself too sometimes I'm like you're you're in it so much that you forget that it is really special and then you look at other things and you're like oh wow this is really cool actually like the the texture and the dimension you know is is really unique it's no surprise that bigger stockists and brands have approached you and made deals with you Mm -hmm. on distribution so um, congratulations. Thank you. You're in Saks and Sephora now, mm-hmm. um, and you are less than a year old. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so how do companies like that start initiating those kinds of opportunities? Well, luckily, we made an email account called info at rowanbeauty.com. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's funny because... I had no, I had no growth strategy plan. I had no, honestly, everything that we've done, because I think for me as an artist and just the way I live my life, like I've really, as woo-woo as it sounds, but I feel like if you just keep going at it and trust your gut and trust the universe, like it will happen if you keep that kind of in your psyche. And so even with retailers, I was like open to it, but also not like thinking about it. It was like, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And when it does, let's see if it makes sense for us. Cause I don't really know. You don't really know until you put it out there to even see what makes sense. Um, and once we launched, I mean, within, I'd say within two weeks, we had a lot of different retailers finding us and reaching out, um, through email. Um, one tracked down my agent, my artistry agency, and then connected me. So they just found us, which I guess, again, was kind of like confirmation of what we were doing and that it was good. Because I have to tell you, the day before the day before we launched and we were live was probably like one of the darkest days for me. And I think it's it's like the it's the vulnerability of like something that you feel so right in your heart that you've created and you think is really special and cool and you've done all these things but then you're basically throwing it out to the world to let them have an opinion on it and it is scary and it's so personal and it's hard i mean even now like not everyone's gonna agree with think my thinking and think that it's like the most amazing thing in the world and like you have to be able to take those 
reviews or take that feedback and it's hard and it's scary. And so the day before I was like really messed up, like just like emotional and scared and grumpy and like so many things. And I remember that night I basically turned my phone on do not disturb at like nine o'clock and just was like, bye. And, you know, I woke up the next morning and looked at my phone and of course like my business partners and like everyone like there was all this noise because we were live and you know and the Shopify account like we were getting sales and everything was happening and I was like okay it's happening and 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 David which um is my partner was just like Nikki like it's incredible and I'm like it is like you're like it is like people like it and he's like yes and then you know once you start getting the press or you get these retailers reaching out and then that's confirmation of like okay we did it it's good it's like people see what I see you know and and I I'm very much aware that not everything that I do is going to be like a home run but I definitely am trying my best to be really aware of every possible thing to try to make it as good as it can be yeah so Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure extremely vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And it still is. Like, I'm still afraid. Like, I tell the girls, you know, because even now being on Sephora, that's even more of a broad audience um, of people to have an opinion. And I'm like, Ugh, like, I don't want to go on and read the reviews. Like, I'm scared, you know, and they're like, why? They're good. And and they I, and, good. and they'll they be bad good. ones, too. And that's OK. But it really it's I think I care so much that I it is like it's a hit you know and I have to obviously learn to get through that but and listen to feedback too because it doesn't mean that it's all wrong but yeah it's just it's so vulnerable yeah yeah um so going back a little bit to Uh the launch um and leading up to so what goes in to that so what are the component what were the components for you and your team to get the brand and the product off the ground and get ready for launch well that's an interesting thing too because we obviously utilized social media for the launch um and i feel like in the world of social media i'm not big but i think (laughs) i i mean comparatively to what else exists i think that what I do have is a very loyal group of people that are dialed into what I have to say. And that's powerful, you know, because it's, it doesn't matter if you have 10,000 people watching you or 10 million, it really depends on your connection and your relationship with that people. But if you, you know, these days, like, it's like very common to have a million followers or whatever in, in my space of like where I work. Um, and so that was also very kind of, scary because I knew that initially that's what we were using to launch and you're like do the people like because you're talking to a phone screen you're like do these is anyone on the other side like do or is it are people listening are they responding or do they get it you know and so um and and when I was making the brand and it's the brand is supposed to live beyond me of course like I'm the heartbeat of it because I created it and I'm an artist but the brand is for everybody, not just me. Um, but I know, I know in this beginning phase of the company, like it is about my presence on social media and my voice. Um, and so that was kind of the launch strategy. But I was really, really transparent with my team in saying, "Listen, like I don't really know how this is going to go because even me having brand deals or different things with different cosmetic companies." is very different to what it is when it's mine, you know? And it could be a lot more or it could be not anything at all. Um, so that was the risk that we were taking. Um, and then it was just kind of like, we'll keep kind of making noise around social. But I also very much like, I think because I know the experience of kind of being an influencer in a sense that I know what it feels like to have people ask you to like shout out their brand or to use their stuff or what it feels like when you get something in the mail. And so I've been really, really clear with my team as well. Like 
I'm not going to try to get people to use it and talk about it. I want people to use it and talk about it because they want to, which might take a little bit longer, but I think that that's the real authentic way of doing it. Um, And so I I think I just prepared them for all of that to to say like, it's not like we're going to be a success story overnight, you know, And, and it takes time. Hey, Ellie women, hope you're enjoying my conversation with Nikki. I'm once again going to tell you about my Rent the Runway Unlimited membership. Let's see, what have I rented lately? Um, I'm really into Tibby right now, actually. Is it Tibby or TB? I don't even know. They have the best fabrics and interesting designs, and they also have interesting price tags. So obviously I rent their pieces, keep them as long as I want, and then give them right back. With Rent the Runway, I always have something new to wear and I spend more time than I'd like to admit on the app making lists of things I want to rent. So use the code LAWOMANRTR50 to get 50% off your first month of Unlimited. Cancel anytime. Thank me later. Let's get back to the show. how you have built such a strong community really in the past few years and yeah. you've grown exponentially. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how you've nurtured that? I think it's about, there's like finding a balance of being present because at the end of the day it is a job. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but if you want to have a connection with people, they want to, they want to check in with you and they want to see what's going on. And so it's about doing that part, but also being yourself, you know, and I'm not really the type, like I don't put a lot of negative stuff up there. Like if I'm having a bad day or whatever, I don't really share a lot of that just because I usually would end up regretting it later or, or I just don't want to put that energy into people. It's a personal choice. Yeah. And some people do and it works well for them too, but I guess authentic in the way that like showing people the normal stuff that happens to me too, that's not just all makeup, but then the makeup stuff too, you know, because I think that that's what you ultimately connect with is authenticity. I know that that word is used a lot, but I think just trying to be yourself. Um, And I, but I've had to really find my own comfort in that relationship in that world because I also am hyper aware of what it feels like to be around influencers or be around people that are really addicted to their social media it's really annoying you know so like for me I don't want to be out with friends or or on a date or whatever it is and like have my phone like taking pictures of my dinner or whatever it is or I think I found a way to do it that it doesn't feel like I'm doing it where I can just like get whatever I need to get and share it later when it's appropriate um and that's personal too like you know everyone does it in a different way but no matter what you have to do it you know and and I think you have to have that presence but by the way I think it's fun yeah and (laughs) I like it or else I wouldn't do it and I think on the days that it's been really hard for me and I'm like why am I doing this I'll get an incredible direct message from someone that lets me know how much I've affected them in a positive way or I've taught them something or I made I put up a quote that really resonated with them that day and I screenshot those and I save those and I'm like okay this is why you do what you do for the days that you're frustrated like know that you're actually touching and affecting people and you really have a worldwide presence which is really cool too that I can have someone in Germany that I'm brightening their day or teaching them to feel more confident about themselves. And that's a gift. So yeah. Yeah. And trust me, like I've had to really even work through that thought because I, you know, with like everything that happens in the world and all, you know, there's a lot of every day there's tragedy and there's pain and there's things happening. And I'm over here sitting like wiping eyeshadow on my hand all day long. (laughs) And I'm like, what am I doing to contribute to this world and this planet? And, you know, I'll start spinning out. But then at the end of the day, I feel like my gift is to teach people to feel more confident and 
if cosmetics and makeup is a way to do that so that they can feel good to show up for all the other things in the world that they're doing, then I feel like I'm making a difference. And, you know, I think that 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 goes really far, but it's taken me a minute to kind of figure that out because it could feel very vapid too. And like, really like, Oh, let's talk about makeup. Let's talk about fashion, you know, all of that stuff. Um, so I've really had to kind of like come to terms with my purpose in that space. That's kind of how I feel about LA mm-hmm. as a city, actually, because I'm not originally from here. You're not originally from here. Yeah. But yeah, people have so many ideas about what LA is, and I don't correct them. I'm like, it is what you think it is, but it's also what you make it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can like find people who you care about and um, people who you can trust, and you know, an industry that you might be excited about. You know, whatever. But you really can make it yours. Yeah, and I mean. Truthfully, LA and New York are where all the movers and shakers are, you know, and so you have to play ball and you have to just kind of jump in because there's a reason why most people that live here aren't from here. It's because they come here with a dream or they come here with something that drew them to the city and they're trying to achieve something and that's really inspiring. And, and I think that that's, people are really helpful here too. It's like, oh, you're doing this? Oh, I should introduce you to so-and-so and so-and-so. And like, it's a very big connecting community and I think it's really special. It's true. I've gotten, yeah. yes. I mean, certainly like having a podcast as well. I mean, I've cold emailed people, but people have cold emailed me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and there have been a lot of guests I've had that have been connections like yourself, so, or through connections. So yeah, I'm like, Yes, I'm totally an example of that, too. Yeah, but then we can make fun of it all the time, too. Because <laughs> yeah. we're just like, I just spent $25 on a smoothie. Great. Amazing. But I feel amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, one more. Um, something I want to talk about a little bit was, uh, and I'm going to read from here. Mm-hmm. So makeup and beauty have gone through really a revolution with indie and cult brands coming to the forefront. Yeah. More than ever, I would say. So what's your take on how this has changed the industry from when you started? Oh, it's it's like a totally different space from where I started. Because when I started, it was working in the land. I My first makeup counter job was at Nordstrom. So it was Bobby Brown, Stila, and Chanel. Um, and it was basically you were owned by Lauder or you were owned by L'Oreal. Yep. I mean, I guess Shiseido, but it wasn't as prominently known. But those were like the two umbrellas. Um, and it was very corporate and very big. Um, and I really have to say that I think, for me at least, when I really saw the change was Glossier. And I think a lot of people would say that that's when it was like, boom, okay, we're going to show you a totally different way, which is we're not selling anywhere but on Glossier.com. And we're kind of making this really raw and really real and... You know, I I credit them for a lot of what they've done because they've really shaken up the industry. Um, And I think that they've given more of a space for indie brands to be present. Of course, they're not an indie brand anymore, but it kind of opened it up to where people started looking outside of just kind of the core companies that have been around for ages. Um, So I think that that's a big way. But I also think that it's been through the social media because that's... You know, and I think about that a lot with my team because, you know, we are small and we're trying to grow and and I'm like, how would we have done this before social media? How did all these brands become successful before social media? Because that existed, you know, before this the last six, I mean, maybe 10 years, you know, that was the way was not social media. Yes. And I, you know what? I always think about Urban Decay, actually, because mm-hmm. in the 90s, I had this like on my bulletin board, I can see it. I was sent in the mail. Who knows? I was probably on Delia's mailing list. Yes, right? Delia's. So like, that's yep. probably how they got my address. Watch that. And I had, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I had this swatch. I think it was eyeshadow or lipstick. I don't know, but they were like the first that I had known about. Really dark, like experimental colors and stuff. And they were not. Maybe they had already been acquired at that point. I don't even know their history really that mm-hmm. well. But that was the first one where I was like, oh, this isn't like my mom's, you know, Chanel nail polish. Yeah. 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 No, it's interesting. And I think um, it's it's come so far because – but I also think people's shopping patterns and style – I mean, everything's 
I order things that are at my door in two hours. You know, like it's just so different because mall, you used to go to the mall. Yep. And you used to walk through all the department stores and you'd see Clinique and you'd see Mac and you'd see all these lines and that's what you did. But now it's like even mall, who goes to the mall anymore? I mean, you do, but it's not. I used to go to the mall with my mom probably three times a month at least. Maybe it was once a week. That was just kind of like what we did. Yeah. Or you'd go with your friends. And I feel like that doesn't really exist anymore. So that social now is kind of the way. And I'm really curious to see in the future what it's going to look like, you know, because I know that there's all these changes that are maybe happening or whatever, you know, there's always going to be something new. So it's like, what's going to, what's the next Instagram going to be, or what's going to be the new normal for us in five years? I don't know. Yeah. It'll be different. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Everybody wants to know what the new Instagram is going to be. Right. But I think that for me, that's what I really, I think about six years ago, I saw what was happening and it was a moment for me to be like, okay, I either I'm going to jump on this train or I'm going to be left behind because for better or for worse, that's where we're going. So if I know that this is my future and I want to have success in this world, I got to do it. And I think that, you know, especially as an artist, a lot of artists have this kind of angst around it where, you know, and and it's something I've really had to battle because people would just think that I was on a job because I had an Instagram following. And you're like, no, actually, it's because I, I know how to do great work and I'm a, a great artist. But, you know, there's also that backlash of of where you kind of fall into this like, oh, well, you're popular. So that's why they hired you, quote unquote, popular, whatever that means. Right. But you know what I mean? So it's been interesting to kind of battle that, but also tell these other artists like, you can sit and be mad about this all you want, but nothing's going to change. So I'm not saying you have to be a social media star, but you if you're going to put negative energy around it, then that's what the outcome is going to be. It's like if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. And it's not a terrible thing if you find your purpose of why you want to use it. And I think that that's the other thing that I tell a lot of people is, you know, I don't post things for... I don't Truthfully, I don't even look at likes. I don't even know how many people like what I do because... It's not about the metrics for me. It's about me just being proud about what I'm putting up or the message that I'm giving. And I think when you feel your peace around that, then you're okay with it. But if you're sitting there trying to, because you never know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit, you know? So why lose sleep over trying to figure that out? It's wasted energy. Yeah. So. Um, so I reached out to some listeners mm-hmm. who knew you were coming on the show today, and I'd love to do. This is fun. Little, I love the mystery questions. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love to do a little lightning round with you. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let me just grab. Hold on. Are these like, like you have to say like one or the other? Or no, they're just like. They're random okay. cosmetics questions. Okay. Okay. How the F do you look dewy without looking oily? <laughs> this is a, that's a really funny question. Um, well, I think it's just deciding where you want your dewiness or oiliness to be. They're all kind of same, same, right? But I think as long as you powder down the center part of your face or like around your cheeks, then everything else looks dewy. Ooh. But by the way, I, I don't know why people get so scared about being oily because at least you look healthy and fresh and you're going to look way better when you're 60 than other people because you have more moisture in your skin. God willing, because I'm so oily. Okay. Uh. Where? That's the thing is like even you saying you're oil. I think it's just like this bad stigma people have from when they're young. And so they, they think that it's such a bad thing. I celebrate it. Great. Yeah. Love that positive outlook. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is ridiculous. Why did we all overpluck our brows? I was just looking at old photo of Drew Barrymore. That's the classic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never went that far, but I just think it, that was the time. Yeah. Like, we were all doing it. My mother would never allow me to, actually. Oh, you have, the, like, uh, incredible eyebrows. Thank you. Yeah. She had thin eyebrows and would tell me that there's no way that she's letting me do it. So. Well, you were a good girl that you didn't sneak away and do it. I was a good girl in front of my parents, yeah. Yeah. Um, will brown lip liner and a light lip ever come back? Well, if I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> <laughs> if I have anything to say. Okay. 
Um, these people are just being goofballs. Okay, what's your opinion on microblading brows? I think if it's a, if you really do your research on the person doing it, it's an epic revolution. I got really obsessed with it for a minute, and I was like, I'm gonna start microblading. But then back to talking about like sticking with your core competency, I was like, I'm sure I'd probably be really good at it, but do I really need to start letting like having appointments for microblading? No. But if you have a good artist, 100% yes. It is one more thing. Yeah. But it might be your thing. It's cool. But I just can't imagine when I'm going to fit that in. Cat can't even get a haircut. So. <laughs> um, what about eyelash extensions? <sighs> this is controversial. Um, I, whenever those started, like 15 years ago or whatever, I was, I was in. I was doing them. Um, I had a full set of lashes. I actually learned how to do those as well. I can't do them. Um, but I'm a no on them. Because I think that it damages your lashes. I think that raw beauty is so much prettier now. And I just, they just, or you constantly have a look. You're just one way. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of no on them. Okay. But I still love you if you have them. Okay. Um, oh, this is a toughie, I think. Getting the no makeup look with makeup. How do you do it? Well, it still takes 25 products. <laughs> <laughs> right. It really does. It's it's hilarious because it's like, I'm going to use all this makeup to look like I'm not wearing makeup. Um, but it's just knowing how to blend, and it's obviously using the right formulas. Um, but it still takes an army to get there. But I would say always concentrating on your skincare because the better your skin is, the less makeup you need. So that's why I'm always... A huge component on getting that dialed in cool for me it is accutane <laughs> and some it's a pill <laughs> <laughs> um okay last one what is in your makeup bag and what are your essentials your essential like five makeup products um well mine's kind of on rotation because i'm always testing out a lot of brands just to kind of get a, a temperature as of today, if it was today, um, I love Gucci Westman's um, contour stick. I think it's incredible. Um, I Until my eyebrow gel comes out, I love Maybelline Brow Drama. It has been my tried and true forever. Um, I love Shiseido's eyelash curler because it's, it's much more flat, so it doesn't you're not damaging your eyelashes as much and you can get all of your eyelashes. Um, I love I love wet and wild lip products. Yeah. Talk about drugstore. That's like major drugstore. But I love all of their lip liners. I love their balm stains. Like I'm super fan of those. Hmm. Um, one more. Uh, well, obviously Rowan. It's like I don't even... I mean, like that's like a given... Okay. I try not to use it, and I, I can't not use it. Um, and everyone wants to know foundations. I would say uh, I love Armani Power Fabric Foundation, and I love It Cosmetics. Anything Armani or It Cosmetics foundation-wise I think are incredible. I've heard so many good things about Armani. Is it mm-hmm. the silk? Everyone loves the luminous silk, but I think that the Power Fabric is better. Ooh, you heard it here first. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. What's your five tried and true in your makeup bag? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I am a little more limited than you, so I would say the Bare Minerals. Bare Serum Concealer. Bare Serum Concealer. Mm -hmm. Um, My original Naked Palette, I'm Mm -hmm. still hanging on to. Okay. So I love that. Right now, I'm using... Oh, God. What mascara? Yeah. I'm using... um, Oh my God! What is it? What's a what's Purple the packaging? Snake skin. Like? Uh, that's tart. It's tart. Yeah. Yeah, I'm using a tart Sephora sample because the mascara that I was using before, I think I was I was allergic to. Mm. Like by the end of the day, I was really itchy, mm-hmm. so I like swore that off. Mm-hmm. It was drugstore, mm-hmm. actually. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and um, actually, I love this Buxom gel lipstick. Yeah, Buxom has great lip products. That I didn't even realize was a thing. And then Sephora was having one of their 
You know, they have those deal. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. And it was like half off or something. And I was just in the store getting something else. And I got this like light pink. I'm wearing it now, but it's probably so dried out now because we've been talking for so long. Um, that I love. Yeah. Is that five? Yeah. I mean, we could go all day, right? Anyways. You're the first person who's ever asked me a question too, by the way. Oh, I could ask you more, but I feel like, you know, I don't know how long you want this thing to go on for. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Nate. Thank you. This is fun. I'm honored to be on it. So thank yeah. you. I'm yeah. really excited for everybody to hear more about you. Yeah. And, um, you can find Rowan on, is it Rowan.com, right? Rowanbeauty.com. Rowanbeauty.com. Yep. Sephora, Saks. Yep. Hopefully more. Yep. Right now, all .coms. So not in store yet for Sephora and Saks, but online. But if you order from Rowanbeauty.com, you get little bonuses. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I hope you're inspired by Nikki's story. I've actually been wearing my Rowan Beauty warm palette almost every day, I think, and I can honestly tell you it is worth the hype. I've worn it for work, I've worn it for a wedding. Anyway, check out rowanbeauty.com to see for yourself and follow Nikki at Nikki DeVroost on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to LA Woman. Please do us a solid and subscribe and rate on iTunes. Plus, we're also now on Spotify and Google Play. We're also at LAWomanPodcast.com and at LAWomanPodcast on Instagram. Let's keep inspiring each other as LA women and as women everywhere. One more thing. This podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Julie Roth. A special thanks goes out to sound designer Christian Link. Our music was composed by Jazar. See ya!